Welcome to the fourth episode of the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with quilter Jack Edson. Well, welcome back to the Quilting Stories podcast. My guest today is quilter Jack Edson. Jack studied art history and completed his Master of Library Science at the University of Rhode Island and was the director of the Hamburg Public Library in Hamburg, New York, until his retirement a few years ago. Jack's quilts were featured in the Art and Craft Media Exhibition at the Birchfield Penny Art Center in 2015 and 2017, and his self-portrait quilt in the 2017 show earned him the Margaret E. Mead Memorial Award. Edson has also exhibited his quilts nationally. Most recently, he has been featured in exhibitions at the Pacific Northwest Quilt and Fiber Arts Museum in Washington in 2018, the Rocky Mountain Quilt Museum in Colorado in 2018 and 2016, and the Cass Project in Buffalo, New York in 2018. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Oh, hi, Jeff. Nice to be here. Great. Well, how would you describe the quilts that you currently make? Well, they're usually a mix of patterns uh, from the whole toolbox of the, um, you know, American patchwork quilt and portraits. Um, Sometimes there's a figure. So um, it's um, one foot in um, kind of each um, tradition of art. And... Tell me the story of your quilting life and how you got started on your quilting journey. Oh, sure. Um, I went to two kind of wonderful quilt shows during the bicentennial year, 1976. Um, one was uh, a Smithsonian Institute uh, traveling show, and the other was a um, quilt show in a church here in Hamburg. And um, I really had never uh, looked at um, American quilts very much. But during that bicentennial year, um, it was a revival of antiques and American history and um, this sort of thing, uh, folk art. And it really uh, opened my eyes to the, you know, beauty of American patchwork. Had you done any artwork or uh, artistry before you started working on your first quilt? Oh, definitely. Um, When I was little, I was um, known for drawing things all the time. Um, You know, at school, I would win a prize for the best turkey (laughs) drawing in crayons, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving. Uh, Whenever anybody needed anything drawn, they'd sort of come to me and I would draw it. So um, there was that. And um, during college, I took a number of art courses, um, design, drawing, um, textiles, you know, this sort of thing, and took a lot of art history, which uh, has been um, continued to be one of my big interests in life, uh, going to museums and reading artist biographies. Um, Many of my subjects for the portrait quilts are artists. Um, usually not the most famous one, but maybe um, somebody at a different level of um, you know fame in art history. And and can you can you tell me about 
your your basically your transition, so to speak, of you saw this uh, traveling exhibit from the Smithsonian and you saw this church um, exhibit of quilts in 1976 in Hamburg, New York. Um, what was the step for you then to, to try and make your own quilt? Because I know, I know just from my own reading that the, so to speak, um, you know, quilt industry was nowhere, um, uh, how it is today in terms of 1976. So I'm just, I'm just curious, did you take a class? Did you try to learn on your own? Right. Um, I tried to learn on my own. Um, I actually um, began a little bit earlier before the bicentennial. I have two pieces that are dated 1975. So, uh, you know, I made them before uh, seeing these exhibits. Um, so I was really trying. I always liked fabric, like sewing. Um, if you think back to that time period, um, it's quite different than it is today, both in the way you mentioned in the clothing industry, having just blossomed so much, but also, um, you know, men uh, participating in the quilt, um, you know, world. I think there were very few at that time. Uh, you remember our friend um, Hollis? Yes. Uh, at our quilt retreat, he went through the early history of men in quilts with me one afternoon. He named them. He named pretty much all the men that were doing quilts, um, you know, around 1970 or before. Um, and you could almost count them on, you know, both hands and maybe your toes. Um, but um, I really didn't know anyone else was doing it. And I sort of did it kind of in secret. And um, I um, felt, you know, the need to do it, but I didn't really understand where I fit in at all. And how do you feel about that now in terms of where you fit in? Well, fortunately, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> we can, um, you know, walk into a, what, a fabric store with our head held high. And I don't know about you, but wherever I go, they know me. <laughs> I mean, even if I don't know them, they know me. And it's kind of a nice feeling rather than um, their anecdotal um, people saying they were buying it for their wife. Or, um, in fact, they're, in one of the shows in the Rocky Mountain Quilt Museum, uh, I believe somebody used all those kind of cliches. Um, you know, that men would hear in a, you know, woman's uh, fabric store, um, <laughs> where's your wife? And, you know, uh, these, you know, these comments that people say were made. Uh, I never had any of them said to me. Um, so, um, but anyway, people do mention that. Uh, I feel our um, quilt, men's quilt retreat was very instrumental um, in my development also to um, really understand that, you know, men are quilters and, you know, if there's a problem, you own the problem. You know, anybody who sees it is kind of suspect, you know. So uh, that really is um, 
pretty good. I think it's important to feel, um, you know, endorsed and valued and all that stuff in order to make um, really great work. I think we rise to the occasion when we feel great things are expected of us. Sure. So what kind of quilts did you make at the beginning in 1975 and in the 70s compared to the quilts that you're making now? Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, got a book. (laughs) It had kind of, um, you know, cardboard pages. It was something like 20 easy quilt block patterns, and you could cut out, you know, the patterns um, and then trace them on your cloth and then cut it out and you know and then i i went through that book i pretty much i don't know if i made every single one but i pretty much made most of them uh so there was that but simultaneously my earliest quilt is this radical art piece thing um it's sort of a star but it's in a hexagon shape and it goes kind of through the colors of the rainbow but then the edges are like a night sky. So it's more of a concept than, um, you know, a pattern out of a, a book. But um, I felt very, um, I don't know, um, I felt I did not sew very well uh, to begin with. So I did everything by hand, and it's extremely labor-intensive, um, you know, Imagine cutting out all the um, seam allowances and marking each one and sewing it by hand and, you know, then cutting out the next one. You know, it must have, I could make five now in the time that I spent on one, you know, that time period. But it was very good because I really taught myself to sew. Uh, never had a sewing lesson. Um, if you think back, boys were not supposed to sew unless maybe they were making, you know, a tent for the, <laughs> you know, scout troop or something like that. So, um, you know, I really um, learned it on my own. And um, this might seem sort of arrogant, but um, I, I point out um, someone like, you know, the great Jimi Hendrix. Uh, and his guitar playing, I think they, his father got him the wrong guitar. Um, you know, if he was left-handed, he got him a right-handed guitar or vice versa. I forget how it goes, but um, so he had to learn to play backwards, you know. And um, I think sometimes when there's um, a great obstacle put in our path um, for our creativity, um, if we're really intent on being an artist, we will um deal with it we'll deal with the roadblock and um teach ourselves and figure out you know some way to do it and it might be unconventional um which can be very valuable because our work might end up looking very different than the kind of standard um you know quilts that people look for and make well, that, that's interesting. And, and one thing I wanted to ask you about, because you've talked about this history, as you just mentioned, of doing um, hand sewing and making quilts, hand sewing the blocks in, in the 70s and, and cutting out templates and, and, and all of that versus the tools that we all have now, rotary cutters and, and um, cutting boards, et cetera, uh, or cutting pads. Um, 
Um, and, and I'm just wondering, um, well, one of the things I was going to mention is one of the things that I find interesting about your work, and I encourage the listeners to go and search on Instagram or um, Facebook or the web for, for, for some of your quilts, Jack Edson. Um, but one of the things that I find interesting is how you do these illustrative quilts. Uh, as you mentioned, many of the, the subjects are American artists, uh, but also the, these uh, elaborate illustrative quilts also um, oftentimes contain uh, traditional quilt patterns. And I wonder if that's um, what your thinking is about that and, and how you arrived at that. Is that deliberate on your part? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love the tradition of the American patchwork quilt. Um, all of the marvelous patterns, all of the stories behind them. Uh, and then um, with to answer your question, um, I um, was working maybe in the 1990 decade uh, to try to get more and more realistic in the portraits I was doing. And I finally did one that was almost super realistic looking. So I kind of proved to myself I could do that. But what are you going to do now? Uh, how um, are you going to integrate the patchwork quilt into this realistic portrait? So um, I ended up um, moving in the direction of uh, having the quilt block be probably equal importance to the image. Now, back in art school, the teacher would probably say, um, just do one thing. Make up your mind. Are you going to do a portrait or are you going to do a quilt block. You know, so anyway, I think for um, students or the early part of our art life, that's, that makes sense. But I think once you've done them, um, the idea of combining two things is very interesting. Um, I mean, it's something that intrigues me. Uh, how is this block going to work with that face? You know, which is going to be um, established supremacy? Which one is going to win? Or is this going to be something where there's um, two interesting things um, working simultaneously? So that's really what I'm doing. Uh, in the last, during the um, isolation period, I did, um, well, a number of big quilts, but two of them used... Uh, certain quilt block patterns to work with what was going on at the time. One is a portrait of Thomas Aikens in a hexagon. Okay, it's not a square, it's a hexagon. And it's the quilt block pattern tumbling blocks. You think of the world back last March, last April 2020, things were kind of tumbling out of control. So that's the reason I picked that block. Um, then I did another one of um, portrait of the artist Caravaggio, and I used the um, snail's trail um, monkey wrench. It, it's called both uh, to um, use his portrait uh, for this, what I was feeling at the time, you know, everything is kind of, you know, screwed up in the world. Um, so that's the reason for those quote block patterns. 
And so what are you working on now? Can you tell me about your latest quilt? Sure. Um, right now, I'm working on a fabric collage portrait. Uh, and um, it's um, I needed a little bit of a break um, from the quilt, although I have another one in the works, um, a portrait of the artist Charles Birchfield, who uh, lived in this area. He lived um, maybe 15 miles away from where I um, live now, and there's a museum named after him, the Birchfield Penny Art Center, uh, which celebrates artists of Western New York. Um, so I'm working on these two things. One is a image, I'm looking at it right now, um, of St. Sebastian, an early Christian martyr, um, from a painting by the um, artist, architect, um, sculptor um, Bernini, who's about 1600. And um, it's a wonderful, you know, image of this, you know, not nude, but semi-nude, you know, figure, um, kind of writhing. Okay. And um, one of the interesting things about it is um, it has um, an extra set of fingers on one of the hands. So it's probably what they call pentamenti. Um, the artist probably painted the fingers in one direction and then painted them out and put them in another direction. But over time, the underlayers of paint kind of um, make their presence known. So it's it's one of these extra things um, in it. And with fabric collages, um, they're cut and glued, uh, not sewn. So I can get very thin lines, um, which um, I really could not get as easily sewing because you have to sew, you know, everything backwards. Um, so this is um, something to kind of um, go back and forth from sewing to fabric collages, sewing fabric collages, um, this kind of thing, you know, to kind of work it out, um, to look at the image in a different way. Um, but once again, it's still using um, a grid, um, you know, which could be a quilt block pattern. And then the birch field um, is um, really interesting. Uh, he was this exceedingly ordinary looking person. He looks like maybe the nice neighbor next door, but um, his interior art life was extremely imaginative. And, um, you know, he's one of my favorite artists. Um, frequently, the people I pick for a subject, uh, they have to mean a great deal to me. And with Birchfield, I mean, I have sort of this kind of life. You know, I live in this house on the street and you could easily miss me. Um, but, um, it, you know, there's this interior art life going on. So uh, that, I think, is the reason for Birchfield. Um, and plus, I collect his work, too. And um, these um, quilt portraits are always an homage to uh, someone whose life and work I respect very much and want to be more like. So do you keep track of uh, or document the quilts that you've made in some way? 
Oh, um, not really. Um, you know, I do put the initials and the date on it so that it's known who made it and um, the year it was made. As the years roll by, it is so hard to remember, <laughs> um, you know, when you did something. I mean, you think, well, I'll always remember. Well, you won't. Uh, you have to look at things like, you know, the fabric. I remember having that fabric, you know, back when the kids were little or something like that. You know, so you might, um, but it's so much easier just to put these dates on it. I really am um, kind of terrible at documenting. Lately, I've been putting dates on my sketches, okay, and I use photocopies um, to, you know, um, for the images. Usually, I just take the art book, you know, to the copy store and blow it up and then draw on it. Um, and then I've started to write down the date that I started a piece and finished a piece. But there's a vast amount of um, work that it's got to be sorted out. Um, you know, I probably have all the pieces and clues here somewhere, <laughs> but um, it's not at all. I mean, I think the idea is I'm just working too fast to um, take care of all these details. And it's almost another a different skill set that's needed. Um, I mean, people in museum studies, you know, they're good at this. Um, you know, archives, they can um, discern, you know, um, but um, I think there's enough clues, uh, but I don't know, somebody else has to do it. And, um, <laughs> do you, the uh, other uh, thing, on, on that, on that, go ahead. Yeah. The other thing is, this is really the right side of the brain that's being used in making my work. It's not the left side. Um you look at some people's studios, they have all of their fabric all in order, folded neatly, and they know just where to go for the shade of that color. And with me, it's like thrown in a pile. And I more or less um, have to riffle through it all, you know, to get just what I want. Sometimes I can sign just what I want, and sometimes I have to use something else. But um, that's, uh, you see my work at the retreats, starting with a clean table, and at the end of the retreat, there's just a mountain of chopped up material all jumbled up. So, I kind of related to the earlier question. Do you have any sense of how many quilts you've made over the years? Um, not a number, but there has to be, I'm going to say 150 to 200. Gotcha. Um, probably. Uh, if we're counting tops that haven't been quilted also, um, there might be more. Um, I thought if I ever had <laughs> a retrospective, um, you know, somewhere, it would be titled, you know, One Billion Pieces, semicolon, <laughs> you know, The Art of Jack. Um, there's there's a lot of pieces. I mean, many of these quilts have 3,000, 4,000. Uh, the pieces are getting smaller in many cases. Um, they're, the quilts are being made better. Like I'm really getting better at it. 
um, I pretty much cut out a lot of extra steps. I just want to do what's going to get, you know, get my piece made. Um, although I, when I say that, I'm thinking of examples different than that. Uh, I'll spend a ton of time on one block um, just to get it exactly right. So you mentioned earlier your fabric and and riffling through it and uh, going to a retreat and starting out with a clean table and then having a mountain of fabric by the end. Um, where do you get your fabric? And do you, um, do you uh, look at specific designers or what's that process like for you? Okay. Um, I look through a lot of fabric, um, go to a lot of fabric shops and, um, I immediately know if I want it or if I don't. Um, there's usually, it's both warm and it's both cool, uh, in the, you know, the print. Um, it's, uh, got a beauty to it. Um, certain colors just absolutely appeal to me. So there's that. Um, I really don't know the fabric companies or the whole, you know, culture of the American patchwork quilting machine. I just don't know. Um, a lot of people give me a lot of fabric. Um, and even that, um, I'm kind of, um, uh, picky about it. Like I won't just use it because somebody gave it to me. Um, I think we have to, um, use fabric that has this energy going on in it and is going to add to the overall aesthetic quality of the quilt. And, um, okay. You know, that game we play the left, right, center game, <clears throat> people, um, bring some people bring wonderful fabric and other people are getting rid of stuff they don't like. Okay. So I think those are the two extremes with fabric um, stuff that you almost don't want to use it because it's too beautiful. Uh, and then stuff that, you know, ugh, not this one again, um, <laughs> you know, there's that too. And also I use um, some clothing, um, I don't use as much as I used to, but um, whenever I buy clothing, um, shirts, they're always 100% cotton because, you know, they may end up in a quilt. So um, you have to really watch the material you use. Does it add to the quilt or does it not? And in some cases, it does not. So uh, we always have to use the, the really good stuff. Um, I love those antique reproductions, um, Civil War fabric. I mean, they're extremely vibrant and bold. And um, many cases lately, I've been buying material that I can use for fussy cutting. Uh, so I can use a print area, two different colors, instead of having to cut two pieces and sew them together. So I know that you have taught some classes on your technique for portrait quilts. How did the teaching come about for you? Well, um, our friend from the Vermont Quilt Retreat, Charles Johns, first invited me to do one at 
the city quilter shop in New York City. And um, I was very pleased that he thought I could do it. So um, I really did uh, figure out a way to convey this to people. I mean, I can explain how it's done, whether a student is going to be able to really do it on their own kind of, you know, remains to be seen. Some people take to it like a duck to water and other people, um, you know, probably are not going to end up doing that technique. I try to always teach things during these portrait classes uh, that people could use in their own work, even if they don't make portrait quilts. Um, like, you know, this kind of hybrid reverse the applique that I do. I, I try to explain that, you know, so that people could use it in something else. Um, but uh, a different people keep in touch with me online, and um, there have been people who um, have really done portraits on their own. In fact, um, it's very funny. <laughs> in in Hamburg, we have an art group, and um, we have an art show twice a year. And one of the women in the group took my class on portrait, you know, quilt. So, or portrait collages. So, anyway, for the show, she entered one of her portrait collages that she did on her own. And anyway, they're announcing the prizes. She won first prize. And I went over to her with a smile on my face <laughs> and I said, I'm never going to teach you again. <laughs> this is what happens. <laughs> you know, the, um, the student wins. So, of course, I was thrilled you know, for her. It was great. But um, people, um, I really believe there's people out there who really uh, just need me to explain it to them. And then they can go off on their own and, uh, you know, do these things. So what inspires a new quilt for you? And do you have a list of ideas that you uh, turn to when you have finished a quilt? Well, um, I usually do not have one planned next when I'm working on a quilt. I When I finish one and it's time to do another, you know, the next day, um, I have pictures that I would like to use, but bear in mind, I can only do one of them, right? So I have to decide which one. And I usually do not decide till the minute I sit down to work on it. I might have three images that, um, you know, I would like to do all of them, can only do one. And frequently, it's not the one that I expected to do. It's a different one. Um, so going to the quilt retreat, I remember driving there, um, you know, it's, uh, 400 miles from home to Vermont and I really didn't know what I was going to work on. Um, and some other people have everything planned out. They've got all the reds and, you know, plastic bag of reds and all the creams and plastic, you know, everything's all they're going to do is, you know, sew it together. Whereas I'm trying to keep it up in the air till, the minute I have to start, the minute I have to start sewing. <clears throat> I mean, and um, I remember switching from what I thought I was going to do to something different. And 
I think that's part of the creative process. Um, not having it too planned out, leaving it up to you how you feel that minute. So when you're piecing a quilt, are there fabric colors that you often gravitate to? Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Um, when I was picking the quilts to go to the show at the Quilters Hall of Fame, which opens in a couple of days, um, I had to look through a lot of my work. And it's definitely this basic color combination, red, white, yellow, black. Okay. Um, those are almost always in my work. Um, lately, it's all the colors that conceivably could make flesh, you know, human flesh. Um, that would be thought of as kind of like one color. Lately, I'm thinking in terms of warm colors and cool colors. You know, what's going to come forward visually and what's going to recede. From doing a few pieces on the work of Caravaggio, it's caroscuro. So bright light and a lot of dark shadows. And I don't mean just getting yards of black, but I mean what colors constitute dark So do you consider yourself an artist or a quilter? Artist. That's the intention, always. Um, there's this very interesting film about the contemporary artist Richard Tuttle. It's called Never Not an Artist. Never Not an Artist. He is never not an artist. When he wakes up in the morning... He's an artist. <laughs> when he's working on his work, artwork, he's an artist. When he's in conversation, he's an artist. You know, um, so I can't say I'm an artist 24 hours a day, but um, that's my intention. Um, you know, create, connect with the world, inspire others, um, you know, make the world a better place, pass along your ideas and enthusiasms to others. So if you were talking with someone who's intrigued by quilting, but maybe a little intimidated to get started, what advice would you yep. give a beginning quilter? Just do it. Just get started. Get two fabrics, a pair of scissors and a needle and thread. Cut them up, put them back together different. You know, don't put it off. Don't wait for that perfect, I don't know, day, years from now. Don't wait till you get the fancy sewing machine. Just get going. Our forebearers, women making quilts on farms in early America, they did not have sewing machines. They did not have a fabric store. They would just cut up what they had and put it together in a different way. And that's the most basic thing we can do. With quilting, it can be very low tech. It can be very low skill also. You can still end up with a wonderful quilt um, with very rudimentary materials 
and skills. So are there any quilters that have inspired you along the way? Um, there certainly have been, and um, one of them died last week. Um, my college teacher, Jack Brockett, uh, from Texas, uh, died on July 16th, and um, he was an inspiration in college. And then about 40 years later, he came to Hamburg and visited me, and uh, we had a great visit. His wife was here, Ian Harrington Brackett, and another lady from nearby East Aurora, one of their friends. And I wanted him very much to, I really hoped he liked my work um, because I hadn't seen him in 40 years. And I brought out quite a few quilts and showed it to him and asked him that basic question, um, do you like it? And he said, oh, yeah, I love it. And I said, well, do you have any advice for me what I should do? He said, two words for you. So I can say more and faster. Make more and do them faster because we have limited time in our lives. So that's really been in the back of my mind, uh, doing one, then doing another, doing another, doing another. You know, do them more them faster. Cut out all the extra fussy stuff that doesn't get your piece anywhere. Um, you know, uh, reserve it for two or three blocks, the elaborate detail. You know, spend an entire day making the block that has the eye, uh, because that's really going to be worth it. So, um, Jack Brockett. Also, I met Nancy Crow once. Uh, there was a show in Auburn, New York, and my quilter friend, Margaret Carroll, um, this lady from Germany, uh, and I drove there. And um, it was a show just of Crow, Nancy Crow's work. I had gotten a couple of coffee table books of her work for the library, you know, these $50 art books, Nancy, The Art of Nancy Crow. And um, I love them myself. And I was always showing them to people. Well, there I was standing in front of Nancy Crow. She was autographing books. And I said, you know, hi, my name is Jack. And I said, your work has been an inspiration for me. And she looked at me and she said, great. I'm really glad to hear that. And um, it was um, just nice to meet her and to realize that um she, you know, certainly liked hearing that, um, the sincerity, and she really was an inspiration. Uh, she really is, you know, art of quilting. So uh, those are two definitely that, um, have, you know, definitely stand out when I hear that question. So you mentioned earlier about making more and, and going faster. Uh, how long does it take you to make a quilt top of one of your portrait quilts? Okay, the portrait quilts, um, I'll say three days. I, I'm sorry, the, the portrait collages, three days. Okay, I'll usually get very obsessed doing it, maybe get up early, um, you know, get an extra couple hours that way, 
um, working on it all evening, you know, starting after dinner. And then I look at the clock and it's midnight. Um, you know, I do put the dates on the image usually when I stopped and started. The quilt, sewn quilt tops, it depends how complicated the pattern is and how small the pieces are and how big the pieces. Okay, but if we were to have an average, it's about three weeks work for a major quilt top. There's some exceptions for some of the really large ones. They just take too, take very long. And what happens usually is I have to decide when it's done. And sometimes these big pieces still need another row around them. And every row you add all the way around percentage-wise is a huge number of blocks. Add it up someday. <laughs> take a quilt and say, all right, if, I, if it's 10 by 10, if I added another row around it, what percentage are you adding? It's usually, you know, a huge amount. So um, the shape of the quilt matters a great deal and the size. Um, you know, something small is going to have a certain impact, but something big is going to have much more of an impact. And so just to clarify for those people listening, with the fabric collages that you're talking about, you're talking about fabric squares that you glue on um, a piece of cardboard or foam core, correct? Foam core, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. They're usually, um, I'll take a piece, 20 inches by 30 inches. That's a standard size of foam core. And I'll usually do two-inch blocks of a grid um, and get the ball rolling. Uh, sometimes I'll add extra pieces to it to make it, I need it a little bit bigger in one direction. I just add more um, foam core to it. Charles Birchfield was this great watercolor artist. He used to add extra paper to his watercolor painting when he needed more room. So we don't have to be restricted by uh, the size or shape that we start with with the material. And I also wanted to clarify for those people listening, when you were talking about doing a portrait quilt in three weeks, that you're retired and you work every day, right? Um, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but when I was still working, I used to, um, I created most of my work when I was working. I would look forward to, let's say, a three-day weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and a Friday or a Monday off, three days in a row. And I would start one, and then I can't say I would complete it, but I would get it going enough um, that I could just kind of finish it, you know, um, after work other days. Sure. So where can people find you online to learn more about you and your quilts? Um, great. Um, there um, I have a Facebook account, Jack Edson. And there's something like almost 900 followers, which, I mean, is astounding. I know some of them <laughs> aren't real people, but um, <clears throat> there are all these people that uh, comment and, you know, notice and make um, 
you know, give me their opinions. Uh, so Jack Edson on Facebook. Then there's another one that um, one of my students started. A woman came to my, I did a class in Seattle uh, a couple of years ago. Jeff Hamada organized it. And um, besides being a great host, uh, he organized this. And um, this one of the students started this Edson fabric workshop. Um, there's another word in it. Um, but if you type in Edson fabric, uh, you'll get it. And in that one, uh, I try to post something almost every day to um, share with people and to try to be inspiring uh, and encourage people to try this. So um, there are those two uh, Facebook um, pages. And um, also, uh, if you just Google Jack Edson quilts, you know, you're going to get 100 images. Great. The big thing coming up, uh, did you want to ask about No, no, the, no. Go um, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sure. Um, the big event, um, the great exhibit, uh, it is going to be at the Quilters Hall of Fame in Marion, Indiana. And um, it opens in a day or two. Um, it's kind of like my retrospective, if you will. 25 quilts and nine fabric portrait collages. Deb Geyer is the director, and um, she just um, finished hanging the show. Uh, the trouble is, it's hard to travel now. Uh, it's, it, it'll be open in a couple of days, and visitors can make a reservation. Uh, this is to uh, space people out. So um, we'll do something or other to get the images online. I've never seen all these things together. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'll drive there myself to see it soon. Um, and we're planning to have an uh, event and a workshop at the end of September that, you know, if things go well, we can do. So um, it's very exciting to be at the Quilters Hall of Fame. Um, I never expected that. And um, I know in my art life, one thing always leads to another, and you never know where one thing's going to lead to. So it really is um, pretty exciting. Um, I can't wait to see it. Uh, and I wrote um, quite a lengthy um, text for each of the quilts, um, you know, identifying it, and then usually talking about the inspiration um, or the story behind the piece. So, um, you know, one could really learn a lot from seeing this. Mainly, I hope to inspire people, you know, to look at this and think, you know, something stirs inside the viewer and thinking, I've got to create something. That's a that's a great way to wrap this up. Again, we've been speaking with Jack Edson, a quilter from Hamburg, New York. You can find Jack online to see photos of his illustrative quilts. He's also on Facebook. You can search Jack Edson. And Jack, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks, Jeff. Great to talk to you today.